The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke in the ninth chapter. Now about eight days after saying these things, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Let's say you've got a household you know, family and whatever in a household. And who's more important, a son in the household or a servant in the household? Who's more important? Yeah, the son. For a variety of reasons. For one thing, the son will inherit the house. uh, And the son has authority where the servant doesn't. The servant is hired in from the outside to come and work in the house. The son is part of the family that's in that house. The son is part of that household. So when you look at it that way, the son is the one who is more important. Now when we look at it other ways, nobody's more important than anybody else, but that's not the point. The point is the son is the one that inherits, that has the authority in that household. And it's interesting that today we see, uh, in the lessons today, we see a comparison between a servant and a son. And so, in the Old Testament lesson, Moses is called the servant of God. And so, he was, in a sense, brought in from the outside. He was brought in in by God in order to accomplish a purpose. And that purpose, we know what that was. It was to go you know, to Israel to get the people to do whatever was necessary to get them so that they could get out and to lead them out. And then while they were in the wilderness, his job was to help shape them into a people. The word Hebrew, the Hebrews comes from hapiru, which means rabble. So when they were in Egypt, they were just a bunch of rabble. And they needed to be formed and shaped and, and made into a nation so that when they could inherit the, prom- the land that God had promised to, to Abraham, that they would be ready to do that and they wouldn't be just a hodgepodge of people. So that was Moses' job. And while he did that job, he did mighty deeds, it says. And God's power worked through him and there were spectacular things that happened. And we know all those stories. And so then when it comes time, though, Moses, the servant of God, did not inherit that promised land. 
that earthly temporal promise that was given to Israel. He didn't inherit that. He was God's servant, though, to get the people to that point. But then we see in the gospel lesson on the mount where God says about Jesus, he said, this is my son, my chosen one. So listen to him. Jesus is God's son. Well, that's a whole different thing than Moses being a servant in spite of all the mighty things that he did. So Jesus is God's son, and God says, listen to him. That means my son has authority. And my son is also going to be the one that will inherit. Remember what it says that Moses and Elijah were talking to him about? They were talking about his departure, which was about to come in Jerusalem. And where was that departure to? It was to the land of promise. It was to that new place. So he, he's the son. So he inherits. So once he goes through, accomplishes the task that God had given him, he was going to go to that place. Now, it's also, uh, when you get into the, to the, the second lesson, the Hebrews lesson, he compare, does that same thing in a different way. He talks about a house and a builder. Who's more important? Or what's more important, the house or the one who built it? Well, the one that's more important is where the idea for that house came from in the first place. You know, the builder, the architect, whatever. That's more important than what is built. That has more value than what's built. And then he said that God is the builder of everything. That's kind of what I was talking about up here before, that God built all this. God built everything. So this is God's house that we are living in, and he is the builder. So he is more important than anything we see here. So then he goes on to compare Moses and Jesus. He says, Moses was a servant in God's house, which we talked about. But then he said, but Jesus was the son over the house. And he establishes Jesus as the authority even over that great prophet Moses that the people celebrated so much. Jesus was the one over him. And it's interesting that Jesus, in the Mount of Transfiguration where God says, this is my son, if you remember back the very first Sunday in Epiphany, the lesson was the baptism of Jesus. And what did God say? This is my son, my beloved I'm pleased with him. This whole season, as well as Jesus' ministry, is bookended is bookended by, this is my son. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And everything in between is Jesus exercising that authority in the way he taught, in the way he drove out demons, in the way he exercised power and did mighty things and great things. But Jesus is the son over God's house, 
more than just Moses being the servant. Well, now here we get to the good part. Because in that lesson in Hebrews, the writer says, we are God's house. We are God's house. He says, brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. God has called us into his house. He's called us into his family. Unworthy though we are, okay, we're on, without Christ, we're on the outside. We're not part of it. We're not part of what God has planned. We can't be because we are rebellious. We turn away from God. We want to do our own thing. We just want to do our own thing. We don't want to listen to God. We, we have trouble enough with authority here, doing what other people tell us. Even sometimes we're stuck having to do that, but we don't like it usually. But it's worse with God because God wants to, con- wants to control and be a part of every part of our life and say, this is how, you, this is how I want you to live your life. And we don't want to do it. So we're not worthy to be part of God's house. Yet he calls us in. He calls us and brings us in. Just because he wants to. (laughs) Just because he cares about us. But like Moses, we are servants in God's house. We are servants. The only difference is that in Christ, we will inherit the next house. Moses did too, but he didn't get to go into the promised land of his day. But Jesus went on. And so in Christ, because we're connected with Christ, we will inherit that. Now I want to leave you with something this morning. In that lesson in Hebrews, that we are called into a heavenly calling, but he says we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and our hope. Our confidence and our hope is the word. This is where it comes from. It's the word. And that word is Christ. Do you remember what John said? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. So that's obviously Christ. But this story today, the Transfiguration, is the pivotal moment in Jesus' ministry where he ties all of this together. It is the one place in his ministry where he does that. Because when he's on that mountain of Transfiguration, who's there? Moses and Elijah, who represent the law and the prophets. And all the law and all the prophets look forward to Christ. They point to Christ. And then on that mountain, along with Christ, you've got Peter, James, and John, who represent the word going forward, the word that's going to be proclaimed in the future. Even later on, Paul, who was blinded by the glory of Christ on the road to Damascus, Paul says, all the law and all the prophets point to Christ. And so here on this mountain, you've got got the old 
that pointed to Christ represented, and you've got what's coming in the disciples that's going to move forward, all right there. But what's at the center of it? At the center of it is Christ. Right smack in the middle of it. And at this point, he ties the old and the new together. And so if we want to know God, and if we want to get to be close to God, this is where we go. This is where we look. And whether you're looking in the Old Testament or the New Testament, as the writer to the Hebrews said, fix your thoughts on Jesus. So you might be reading something in the Old Testament, but read it with the thought in mind that somehow or another this is pointing me to Christ as the law and the prophets did. And in the New Testament, it's about Christ going forward as part of our lives. Let me encourage you, and especially as we get into this season of Lent, which begins Wednesday, you know, we all have the habit of, of, uh, of their tradition, let's say, of giving up something for Lent, okay? And it usually has to do with us wanting to get in shape, <laughs> okay? And it's usually, I'm going to give up chocolate, or I'm going to give up, smoking or I'm going to give up whatever well that's all fine and dandy it's that can be sort of a little fast or something like that and that's fine I'm not going to discourage that but what I would rather you do is add something in for Lent you got in in your boxes this morning there's a Lenten devotional that comes from the NALC from David Wendell and for those of you that need it there are large print versions on the little table here of it Add that in. If you're not already doing um, the, the, devo- the little devotion that we have or whatever, add this to it. But at the very least, add some reading. Pick your book. Pick something that you want to read during Lent. Add something. Because it's about Christ. And this whole Lenten season is about us recognizing our need for Christ and allowing him to get a little bit closer to us. So let me encourage you to do that because in Christ it all ties together. Amen.